Uh, we've been focused on marriage and relationships. Uh, more specifically, um, what we need to do in order to have a happy, healthy, thriving marriage, to have the kind of committed relationship uh, that's going to stand the test of time and all the things that life throws at us. Uh, and in order to do that, what we've focused on is that we need to make good promises and then keep those promises. You know, Christians have a great opportunity right now in our culture to speak into this. And not just to speak into it, but to live into it. For us to embody what it looks like when God gets what God wants when it comes to marriage and committed relationships. Now, Christians, a lot of us, and, and maybe not anybody in this room, but there's a lot of Christians out there um, who have lots to say about marriage. Mostly about other people's marriages. <laughs> who should be married, who shouldn't be married, what marriage should look like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The interesting thing is, is that um, evangelical Christians have as high or higher of a divorce rate than almost any other demographic in the United States. So obviously we're really good at talking about marriage and maybe not so good about embodying the things that we're talking about. And so that's what we want to focus on. And we've, we've, we've actually outlined pretty clearly a couple of the things that we need to do when it comes to making good promises and keeping those promises. And last week um, with Paul the Apostle, our conversation partner, which incidentally, Paul was never married. So it's an interesting conversation partner, but here's, the, here's what Paul knew. Paul knew that if you were going to be married, that there needed to be certain things that were part of your marriage, part of your committed relationship. Paul um, didn't have the energy or the time for any of that stuff because he was wholly and completely devoted to his calling. Uh, but he could speak about these things, and he did so uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, which we've been using as our conversation partner through this series, through this sermon. It's not a series. All right? So... What Paul outlines is that there's two promises, essentially, that we need to make to one another and keep those promises. The first is the promise of priority, to make the other person in the relationship, to make your partner, your spouse, your beloved, to make them a priority and make that promise and keep it. And to do that together, right? To mutually submit, the, the Apostle Paul said, mutually submit to one another as to the Lord. This needs to be something that you're doing together, that you share that you are both putting the needs of one another ahead of your own. And today we're going to be talking about that second promise, the promise of partnership. Because there can't be one without the other, right? Um, and if there's imbalance in your relationship, if one person is putting their needs ahead of the others to the extent that the other person in the relationship becomes diminished or, or uh, defeated or whatever, um, then that's imbalance, right? And when there's imbalance, there's no equity. And when there's no equity, there can be no partnership. And partnership um, is, is something that happens when you and I, right, in our relationships and in our committed relationship and our marriage, when we're all in. Now, some of you might be saying, I don't think this sermon is for me. Right, because uh, maybe you're not married, you're young, uh, you, know, you don't even think about marriage, you don't even think about uh, having a relationship yet, right? but you want to one day, or maybe you want to one day, um, and so these are things that you need to hear. Maybe you've given up on that kind of stuff, right? You're done, no more marriage, no more relationships, I've done, I've done my time, I've done whatever, and we're, we're over, right? Um, I'm perfectly happy with my life the way it is. Well, that's fine. 
there's something for you in this as well because there are people that need your sage advice. There are grandchildren, uh, children, nieces, nephews, people out there that could benefit from what you're gleaning today and, and maybe um, in your experience as well. And for those who've been married for a while and maybe you've hit a rough spot, this sermon is for you. And for those who've been married for a long time and you think you've got it all together, there is no marriage or relationship that doesn't need a tune-up once in a while, right? So there's something in this for all of us. And I think as a community of faith, if we're going to impact our outside community and our culture, then we need to be able to speak about these things, but also learn how to live them and embody them. So what does it look like when people are in partnership? You know, how do we, how do we become all in, right, uh, in a partnership and make that promise and keep it? Well, before we start digging too deeply into that, I do want to mention that there's some evidence that uh, we can see where that's not happening, right? We can define it by what it's not. And we've already said that to some extent, that um, it's not a partnership. There's imbalance and there's not equity in your relationship when one person is putting their needs ahead of the other. That's one sign. There's another sign that has to do with intentions and actions. And when this gets messed up, uh, there's also imbalance as well. And this is what most of us do. So many of us do this. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge our beloved and our partner by what we perceive in their action. So here's an example. If my wife gives me a list uh, of stuff that I need to get from the grocery store on my way home in order uh, for dinner to be completed, okay, um, if I go to the grocery store and I get distracted because there's beer and wine tasting at H-E-B, I'm like, oh... <laughs> and I go down that rabbit hole, like, and I come home, and, and the stuff's not there, um, my wife is going to say, this was on a list. Why did you not retrieve this? This is essential. for No one's ever had that happen, right? <laughs> so, so, so I will say to her, well, I meant to get them. I mean, it was my intention to get them. It's not my fault that there was beer and wine tasting. But I meant to, right? I meant to get these things. So I'm judging myself by my intention. I deserve a pass because my intentions were good. Right? Come on now. Everybody's done this. Not just dudes. So, he, so here's the other side of it. So if... If my wife wakes up in the morning and decides to go down and make a cup of coffee and she doesn't make me one, right, then I would, you know, I could, I could go, I could go, you know, she was down there. She was making coffee. Does she not love me? I mean, am I a second-class citizen? Is she not thinking of me? You know, I mean, you can easily spiral, right, um, and start assuming some things that may or may not be true based on the actions. When in reality, reality, what she was probably doing is she was thinking, I'm just going to let him sleep, and if I make coffee for him now, uh, then it'll be cold. You know, I mean, it could have been that, or she could have been like, <laughs> make your own dang coffee. You know what I mean? <laughs> could have been that too, which, honestly, I'm okay with that, right? But, but I'm assuming stuff based on her actions that may or may not be true, right? Because all I'm looking at is I'm judging her on her actions. Okay, do you see that, how, the, how it works? So when we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by our actions, all of a sudden there's imbalance in the relationship. There's not equity. Um, there's no partnership. 
Um, these are signs and symbols that we're not all in, right? We're not all in. And we need to be all in, both of us, right? Both people in a relationship need to be all in in order for there to be partnership. For us to make the promise of partnership and to keep that promise, we have to be all in. So what does it look like? Well, the scripture that we're looking at today actually gives us a beautiful example of what that looks like when we are in partnership, when we're all in together in our marriages and committed relationships. And so we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, um, and uh, I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 28 through 33. As soon as I open my iPad. There we go. So Paul says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so what Paul is doing here is he's drawing on a passage of Scripture from Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. So in Genesis chapter 2, what's going on? Oh, God is created, right? So God creates, and God looks at all of his creation and says, this is good. Everything is awesome, especially that platypus. That was really good. <laughs> that was a stroke of genius right there. <laughs> he's, like to, he's like to the angels, did you see that, what I did there? It's like, it's like a duck and a beaver and it lays eggs. I mean, come on, man, right? But then, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. All right. So back, back to where we were. Okay, so, so God looks at, at the man, um, at, at Adam, right? Adam, right? Adam, the man. And he says, uh, it's not good for him to be alone. And so in the text, right, in a beautiful poetic way, it says that he causes him to fall into a deep sleep and he draws woman out of man, right? And then when Adam sees her, he calls her Chava, like Eve. And, and so... Uh, in that beautiful, poetic moment, right, we can get lost in the weeds, like a lot of, co- you know, a lot of commentaries have, and a lot of rabbis, and a lot of theologians have gotten lost in the weeds. Was there really a rib, and did the rib degenerate, or, or regenerate, or was, you know, God pulling out of, of Adam so that he was right next to his heart? I mean, there's all these different ways of sort of looking at that, but when you get down to the deepest meaning, the deepest meaning, is that when God created these people, God created them to be interconnected with one another, that they were, according to one of the ancient rabbis, they were created this way so that they would love one another as they love their own body because essentially that's what happens, right? And that they were united. The Apostle Paul, uh, writing in Greek, but thinking in Hebrew, uses the word Echad, united, which literally translated means completely joined as one. So what do we take from all this? Well, it seems that God's desires 
from the beginning was for us to be all in when it came to our relationships and marriage. When it came, comes to our relationships and, committed, or, and marriage and committed relationships, we are intended to be all in. We should be all in, to be completely joined as one, to be partners in mutual submission, putting the needs of the others ahead of our own, and to be one. And to do that together. Because if one person is doing this, if one person is practicing submission, if one person is putting the needs of the other person ahead of their own, if one person is judging the other's actions by their best way of judging it, right? To assume the very best rather than to assume the worst and only judge by their intentions, their own intentions, um, then all of a sudden it's a recipe for disaster, right? Because that imbalance creates something that's not a partnership. And if it continues that way, then it will deteriorate unless something happens. We need to be in this together. You and your beloved, you and your spouse, you and your partner, we need to be all in. Otherwise, it will at some point spell disaster. Now, don't think that because I'm standing up here that I have this down cold, okay? Um, your pastors, and I can probably speak for Pastor Britta too, your pastors, um, even though we, we have great learning in all of these matters, right? <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out too with our spouses. You know, I mean, I've been married for 26 years, and I'm still learning things. I mean, this is something that we have to go back to day after day. We have our good days. We have our bad days. We have days when, um, you know, we're all about ourselves, right? I have those moments where I'm just thinking about my own needs. I have those moments when I judge myself by my intentions and Meredith by her actions. I have those moments. And sometimes when we get called on those moments, right, when the other partner begins to say, this is not right, we are out of balance, then what happens is a lot of times we'll go back to our past performance, Moments where we were really doing it well. Man, maybe we were killing it. I got you flowers that time. <laughs> right? We went to your mother's for dinner two years ago. We had that romantic moment last month. You know? I mean, so you, you start looking back on your past. Instead of thinking about what am I doing now, what am I doing today to make sure that my partner, my spouse, my beloved knows that I am all in. You see, in order to have a strong relationship, we need to make and keep the promise to be all in every single day. Every day you are renewing your vow. Every day. And the reason why you have to renew your vow every day is because every day you will stumble. And every day you will have a moment where maybe you will fall down. And you'll need to ask for forgiveness. And forgiveness needs to be forgiven, right? Or given. When your significant other, your spouse, your beloved comes to you repenting, there needs to be grace. There needs to be mutual forbearance for one another. 
And then every single day you wake up and you renew that vow. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it comes down to one statement. It's a very simple statement that if we make this statement every single day, whether it's to one another out loud or to ourselves, if we make this statement our mantra, the thing that we're going to live by when it comes to our relationship, every day wake up renewing your vow by saying, our relationship will be about we, not about me. Our relationship will be about we and not about me. When we're able to say this to one another or to ourselves and then live it out, right? Because it's not just about saying it, although saying it is the beginning. We have to be able to speak about these things. We have to be able to speak sometimes, speak some of these things into existence. But then we have to live it. I'm going to make our relationship about we and not about me. Imagine what could happen if every single one of us who are here today went out and either shared this information with someone that we love that we know is going through a difficult time or with someone who needs to hear it, someone who may be entering into a relationship or his relationship is on the rocks or maybe wants to have a relationship one day. Imagine if we went out and we shared this information for those who are maybe not really into the relationship thing, if that's what you did, or maybe if your relationship, your marriage is on the rocks. Imagine if you decided we're going to do this together. We're going to begin speaking this together. We're going to make our relationship about we and not about me. You're going to make that promise the promise that you will keep, the promise of priority. I will put your needs ahead of mine. And then your partner will say the same. The promise of partnership. I am all in. I'm holding nothing back. I'm all in with this. This is about we and not about me. Imagine what could happen as a revival in this church that would then spread to our community because there are so many people out there who need a word of hope when it comes to their relationships. And if we are able as a congregation to strengthen marriages and committed relationships in our community, we stand a chance to make an impact, to demonstrate the kingdom of God here on earth as God gets what God wants in marriages and committed relationships as we make good promises and keep them. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we come to you once again uh, to worship and to experience the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we rejoice that we are worshiping and proclaiming and praying and singing in his presence. We claim the promise that he made to his followers so many years ago when he said, whenever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, I am there. And we worship in the presence of the risen Christ. And God, we are joyful. And it is Jesus himself who spoke these words. The same words that Paul spoke. That we, when we enter into relationships, when we enter into marriage, that we're to be all in. That we're to be united, completely joined as one. And God, I pray that if there are any out there today that are struggling in their relationships, struggling in marriage, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them faith and courage, that you would give them the ability to speak life and love into their own relationships. And God, we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 